And there's other people in the real estate space that have had problems, but they're not talking about it. They all talk about the success. Hey, it's it's like this, Taylor. I wrote this book, Exit Plan, right? And I wrote it because I had spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on coaching and training and books and tapes over the years. I'd go to these seminars, people would teach you how to find a deal, how to get in a deal, how to run a deal. And I always walked away going, man, we're missing something. Nobody teaches you how to get out. Nobody teaches you when to get out, how to maximize your profit. What's going on, guys? This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, the show that will help you escape the Wall Street casino and build wealth on Main Street by investing in real estate. Today, our guest is Mike Morawski from MyCoreIntentions.com. And this episode is, you know, in my opinion, this is really about learning from the past, learning from the, the real estate investing past, learning from the economic past, and learning from the past, the history of investors who started well before us. And, and Mike tells us about his story, getting started in real estate with over 30 years in real estate, how he built up his company, and then the Great Recession hit and things took a turn. And then he you know, brings us forward to today. And I just encourage you in this interview to keep an open mind. Mike's going to tell you about what happened in his uh, investing career with the Great Recession. And I think there's so much to be learned here, both from you know how he reacted to the situation and also what we can, how we can relate to that economically today and, and as real estate investors today, where the market stands. So there's a lot to be learned. Just stick with us. I think there you're going to pick up a lot, especially if you're in the real estate investing space. I'm your host, Taylor Lote. I'm a real estate investor. I help busy people passively invest in commercial real estate. If you're interested in learning more and applying to join our Passive Investor Club, for access to passive commercial real estate investment opportunities, go to investwithtaylor.com. Again, investwithtaylor.com. If you're an Apple Podcast user and you enjoy the show, please take a moment, leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars if you don't mind. I appreciate that so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys, that gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping all the Wall Street casino along with us. No matter what podcast app you use, if you haven't done so yet, look up the show, hit the subscribe button. That way you'll get every new episode every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. That's when we're here. That's when we're, when we're doing it, escaping in the Wall Street Casino Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Once again, our guest is Mike Morawski from mycoreintentions.com. And I see this as an opportunity to learn from, learn from the past and better understand where we are today. And I encourage you to stick with us through this interview. I think there's, a, there's so much for all of us to learn who are real estate investors. So without any further ado, here we go. Mike, thank you for joining us today. Hey, you're welcome, Taylor. I appreciate you having me on. I'm very honored. Thank you. Well, it's been great talking with you so far. And, you know, I'm I'm a little kind of blown away by your story, really. And for our listeners out there who don't know about your background, can you tell us about it? So I've been in real estate for 30 years. I, you know, kind of started to tell you that part of it. And my background started, I was in the construction business and I had built a very successful uh, residential commercial construction company in the northwest suburbs of Chicago, you know, the problem was I was still involved in the business. I was banging nails. I was sales. I was taking care of the bookkeeping. I was scheduling. And it, my life, I woke up one morning and looked at my wife at the time I was married and, and said, uh, I can't do this anymore. I'm burnt out. 
And I had somebody knocking on my door saying they wanted to buy my company and they were expanding theirs. And, and I went to him and he bought my company and all my accounts, all my equipment, all my, and I took a year off. And during that year, my wife and I house hacked a couple of two flats. And now Taylor, this is long before house hacking was sexy, right? Now it's, <laughs> yeah. now it's the chic thing to do. Everybody does it. But uh, I was house hacking and I can remember her screaming at me because of nails on the floor, you know, and now I think it's just kind of a way of life, right? And so I had house hacked a couple houses. And during that time, I met a real estate agent and I had seen Jim Rohn years ago speak at a, at a couple of events and, you know, longtime motivational speaker, really knowledgeable. And I remember him saying success leaves clues. If you follow successful people, you'll learn, cut the learning curve maybe give yourself an edge. And so I went to Todd and I said, Hey, listen, I'm thinking about going in the real estate business. He said, Mike, I think you'd be great at it. He said, I think you have people skills and know how to build relationships. And, and I really believe that you'll be good at it. I said, okay. So I said, Hey, could I come and shadow you and your team? And he said, no, I was a little surprised, but he goes, I'm going to do one better for you. He goes, he said, I'm going to make you a cassette tape. Now, I'll date myself a little bit because I don't think you can find anything to make a cassette tape on today. So he uh, made me this cassette tape. And Taylor, I listened to that thing over and over and over again. I actually wore it out. But the fundamentals he taught me, the simple techniques I did every single day, I went to work every day and did those same things over and over. I mastered the repetitious boredom of them. And I sold 78 houses my first nine months in the real estate business. I was REMAX Rookie of the Year that year. I went on to build a team selling 125 listings a year. So I knew what needed to be done in order to do that. 2005 rolled around and I didn't know what was happening, where the market was going, but I knew something was changing and I wasn't exactly sure what that was or what it was going to be. So I had always wanted to go in the apartment business because when I was in the construction business, I did a lot of work for a couple of syndicators in the Chicago market. Maybe you know them, Inland Real Estate. They're probably the largest REIT in the world today, 80, 80 different countries and every asset class. They started out with one four-unit multifamily building here in Chicago. Um, Sam Zell's company, Equity Office. I did a lot of work for those companies and I understood this that you could raise private equity, marry it with a great real estate deal, stay in the middle. And as long as everything went well, everybody made money. 2005, I syndicated my first deal. I said, man, this is great. I went on, I bought, I raised $18 million in 30 months. I bought $60 million worth of real estate. It was about 4,000 apartments in five states. And I uh, built a, a vertically integrated a property management company. We managed 7,500 units built about a hundred million dollar company. Want me to keep going or you want to unpack any of that or? Well, I'm, I'm sure we're going to get into this as we go along, but there, this sounds like it could be a story from the past couple of years, right? Yeah. We're talking more than 15, 16 years ago. And, you know, we're, we're going to keep moving along in the story here, but I just want to make that comment that this, this sounds like you could be a guy doing this today. Yeah, right. Absolutely. You could be doing it today. And the caution in the wind for people is don't grow too fast. I grew really fast in a really short period of time. 2007, I bought 17 deals, 2,700 units, and I was unstable. 
was very unstable as a company. And um, there was, you know, when you buy a unit, make sure that you get your CapEx done. Make sure that the sponsor is doing what needs to be done to stabilize that property along the way. And we didn't do that. Um, because we just, I kept thinking, let's just keep buying, keep buying. And we were grabbing assets. The goal was 10,000 units, sell to a hedge fund, call it a day, right? That was the goal at the time. So 2008 came around and I remember sitting at lunch with my, uh, CFO and the news happened to be on and we're watching the news and they're carrying boxes out of Lehman brothers by, by the droves. I mean, not one or two people, but dozens of people are walking out carrying their personal belongings. And I look across at the table at my CFO and I said, we're screwed, aren't we? He goes, yeah, we're in big trouble. And I wasn't sure at that point, but over the next 18 months, the markets deteriorated. Um, My business continued to slide off the rails and um, I had companies that were very unstable. So I had some companies that were very profitable, some that weren't. And here was my thought process along the way. Okay, so we're in a recession. Recessions last 17 or 18 months. Uh, there's a 10, 12% correction in the marketplace. This thing will be over before we know it, right? We'll weather the storm. We'll get through it. So I continued to try and scale up, continued to try and grow, and um, found that all of a sudden people started moving out of apartments. NOI, net operating income, my cash flow started to drop. I couldn't pay my bills, couldn't pay my investors. So I thought if I took money from profitable companies and moved them to non-profitable companies, that would stabilize my company. And now Taylor, as the kind of guy, I didn't want to go to my investors and say, hey, we have a problem. We made a mistake. We need the capital call. Matter of fact, I took the provision out of my documents for a capital call because the markets were so hot that, and this is another classic business mistake I made. I told my attorney, I said, take that provision out. We're not going to need it because the markets are so hot. This thing's going to continue to scale. We're not going to ever have to do a capital call. (laughs) Wow. Bad business mistake. So I couldn't go to my investors. And then I didn't want to go to my investors and say, hey, this market's kicking our butt. And, you know, what do we do? Well, I started moving money back and forth between companies and my outside counsel, uh, my outside legal counsel and my attorney or my accountant both said, hey, you can move money back and forth. It's okay. Just leave a paper trail and put it back when the markets come back. No problem. Well, that's fine. That's not illegal. But what's illegal is I didn't tell my investors. So because I didn't tell my investors, I broke the law. Breaking the law, I wound up being charged on wire fraud and mail fraud charges and sentenced to 10 years in federal prison. Wow. And, and I really appreciate you, um, you know, bringing this experience to us and, and we're going to get into lessons that, you know, you learned from, from that. And, you know, you were going to talk about like when you got out and everything. And, you know, I I can feel, you know, I want to put myself in the listener's shoes. I think some listeners are going to be tempted to, disengage at that point. And, you know, I think for understandable reasons, right. You know, we can, we can all understand, uh, stigma and maybe, maybe, you know, maybe we have some of those predispositions ourselves, but I I encourage people to stay engaged because there are so many, uh, lessons I think that you might have from, from that experience. And like I said, what you were doing back in the day echoes a lot of what's happening today in the real estate market. And yeah, conditions are different, right? It's, you know, but how different are they and, you know, what's happening out there? So we're going to keep cranking along here, but, you know, I I appreciate you, you bringing that to us. Now, when did, what happened and, you know, when did you get out? 
Yeah. So um, great question. And, and let me just let me unpack this real sure. quick. So I want, want your listeners to understand five things. Um, I grew way too fast, very unstable. Take the time to buy a deal, stabilize it. Make sure whoever, if you're a passive investor, make sure the sponsorship team is is looking at all the metrics. Make sure you're seeing what you need to see and it's getting stabilized. The second thing I did was I was undercapitalized. I didn't raise enough money, okay? Um, should have raised, over-raised money, put some money in escrow, had it there for protection, and it wasn't there. The third thing is that I was over-leveraged, right? I was 15% loan to value on $60 million worth of real estate. Taylor, I told you before the show, I don't know who was worse, me for taking the money or the banks for giving it to me, because at that time they were throwing money at us. Um, the, the fourth thing was I didn't pay attention to details. I saw things from my peripheral vision, but my blinders were so tight that I just kept plowing along thinking we were going to get through it, that the storm would, would cease. And then the fifth thing was I didn't listen to people around me who um, loved and cared about me, and I didn't pay attention to what they said. So um, those are five really critical things in life, in our journey, in, in our business that we need to pay attention to. People need to pay attention to. So I, I think I mentioned to you at the beginning of the show, you know, I, I never, you know, I, I got sentenced to a 10 year prison sentence and people think, oh, my God, you know, what did he do? Well, you know, I made a mistake. I made I just told you five of them. Right. But I was I never flew private. I didn't have a boat. I didn't buy a big house. I drove a car with 286,000 miles on it. I tried to save my business and build a business because I knew what the end goal was, which was 10,000 units, sell to a hedge fund and call it a day, right? And that would have been the end goal, but it didn't happen that way. The market's crapped. And you know, sometimes we're a victim to the market. I'm talking to guys today that are saying, hey, look, we're going to start doing 50-50. We're going to raise 50% equity. We're going to do 50% debt. And we're only paying our equity investors 6 to 7%. They're not getting any equity in the deals because the money's not going to be there. So, so watch where watch where you go in the next few, few months, right? I don't think that we're going to see a housing crisis like we saw before, but we're going to see some, some challenges and some shifts and just watch the shift come. So with that said, I go to prison, right? And, and so I didn't fly private. I didn't have a boat. I was the neighborhood baseball coach. I was the chaperone for school. I was home at night for dinner. My wife and I had a great marriage. We were best friends. I go from that to living in a 12 by 12 room with three men I don't know, don't like, have three green outfits and five pairs of cardboard underpants, wondering what the hell happened in my life. And I'm in prison about 17 days, just wondering, what am I going to do? How am I going to get through this? I don't know how to get through today, much less 10 years of this. And then my wife decided she was going to divorce me and it wrecked me. Um, it was over. I mean, the joke in prison was take his shoelaces because we're afraid he's going to hang himself. And it was no joke. I was in I was in a pretty rough spot. I'd gone from from running marathons and being in great shape to being 35 pounds overweight and hating myself. So I'm in prison about six weeks and I walk into gym one day and this guy walks up to me and he goes, hey, he goes, get over it. He goes, don't let these people beat you. All they want to do is take from you everything you've ever known. They can take your business, your real estate, your money. They can take, destroy your family. But what they can't take is who you are. Now, now we all have turning points in our life, Taylor. We all have these defining moments that say, hey, you know, pay attention. Look at what's going on. And this guy looked me right in the face and he said, you get that 10 years back. He said, 
All you have to do is start coming here every day, take my class, start losing weight, start feeling better physically. He goes, get better emotionally. Your mental capacities will come back. Best advice I ever got in my life. I started going to the class. I started losing weight. I started feeling better. I went to college. I got a bachelor's degree in in theology. I went on, I wrote two books. Uh, One's called Exit Plan, Your Complete Guide to Multifamily Investing and Why You Need an Exit Plan Before You Buy. I'd love to give that away to your listeners at the end of the show. Um, I, I wrote another book on property management. I wrote two home study courses. I taught real estate investing, multifamily, and property management for six years. I wrote an ethics course. And how, how ironic is that, right? A federal inmate teaching <laughs> ethics in prison, right? I taught ethics for six years. I was on an outreach program because I was a model prisoner, right? And I, I went into the community and told my story about 40 times to small business owners, major corporations, and to um, local college students. I'd met a professor from the University of Minnesota, and he and I co-authored a paper that this year we had published in the Business Journal of Ethics. Um, on, it was a case study on my case, and it gets taught at the collegiate level for forensic accounting classes and sales and marketing classes. So I did a lot. I came home. Um, I've started a coaching and training business because I want to give back. I want people to know how to buy multifamily, scale their business, grow a business, but live a balanced lifestyle. Understand what that looks like and not lose sight of the important things in your life. I think I think one of the things that I one of my reactions to this and and again, you know, thinking about the folks that may be tempted to tune out is, you know, I think we all as investors we want to take lessons from the Great Recession in particular because it's so fresh in our mind. We want to learn what went wrong then and how can we avoid making those mistakes today. But we want to learn that from movies like The Big Short. We want somebody else to do all the work for us and to get some of the coolest actors in history to tell us this awesome story. I love that movie. I'm not crapping on it. But you know, I hope this doesn't sound too harsh to you, but I think we need to be more open to getting firsthand experiences like yours. You know, we can learn from um, your story and what you would do differently if you could do it again today and what you think about where we are in the market today. So I, I just wanted to put that reaction out there and, and encourage everybody. I guess if they're not open-minded, they might not be with us anymore on the show, but <laughs> encourage everybody to remain open-minded and remember, be cognizant of what you can really learn from the story. Yeah. Hey, you know, listen, and I believe America in general, and I have this attitude, I'm sure you might have this attitude is second chance, right? Give somebody a second chance. I mean, yeah, you know what? I made a couple of mistakes. I had a couple of problems, but there's lessons to learn from that. And there's other people in the real estate space that have had problems, but they're not talking about it. They all talk about the success. Hey, it's, it's like this, Taylor. I wrote this book, Exit Plan, right? And I wrote it because I had spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on coaching and training and books and tapes over the years. I'd go to these seminars, people that teach you how to find a deal, how to get in a deal, how to run a deal. And I always walked away going, man, we're missing something. Nobody teaches you how to get out. Nobody teaches you when to get out, how to maximize your profit. I come to the table and I say, look, here's how you get out. Here's where you maximize your profit. And it doesn't necessarily mean you have to sell the deal and give up control. There's other ways to do that. 
it's perspective, right? It's how we look at things. So I've got a little couple of twists in my history and some of it's some of the things I've learned from over the years, right? I mean, I, I tell those five things and, you know, here, let me, let me tell a story if I can real quick, please. Um, 2008, I'm sitting in a, in a, um, closing in Cincinnati. I'm getting ready to close a real estate deal. Probably at the time, the biggest real estate deal I'm going to close about 187 units. Um, and it's closing was at 12 o'clock. I'm sitting in the, um, in the closing office and I can't get a hold of anybody in my office. Nobody's returning my call. I'm waiting for $500,000 to come from my office. 10 to five, I finally get my partner on the phone. And here's what he says. I don't know how to tell you this. Now, what do you think went through my mind at that point? I'm waiting for 500 grand and he doesn't know how to tell me what. We don't and have it. See, right. We don't have it. I took the money from the escrow account and I put it in the business operating account because I needed the money. And what do I say? I told you when we went into business three years ago that you never take money from an escrow account. I know, I know, I know. I thought I could have had the money back. I said, okay. I said, listen, I'll be back in the morning. I said, I'm going to dry close this thing, which means I sign all the paperwork. Just don't fund it. I, I get I, I get the seller to agree. I'll have it funded by Tuesday or you take all my earnest money. And, you know, um, I go back to the office. Long story short, I fund the deal on the next Tuesday. I'd raised some money over the weekend, gave away some equity. But here's what happened. On Friday night, I go out to dinner with my partner and his wife and my wife. Now, Taylor, I never talked to my wife about business ever. I, you know, she worried about everything. I'd say, hey, you know, I met a new investor. We raised some money. We closed another deal, but I never told her anything bad. So we're out to dinner. On the way home from dinner, she says, I don't trust him. I said, okay. So I think I'm going to be a good husband. And here's what I say. Don't worry, honey. I got this under control. I got your back. We're going to be safe, Right. When really what I should have said, Taylor, and I want guys to take heed to this because I think our wives are a lot smarter than we are most of the time, is tell me more. What are you seeing that I'm missing? Okay, because here again, I had those freaking blinders on and I wasn't paying attention to the things going on around me. So the following Wednesday, I'm out to lunch with my attorney, my my, uh, outside counsel. I had an inside counsel and an outside counsel. My outside counsel and... um, we're walking for, and he and I had become really good friends over the years. And we're walking from re, from lunch to the car in the parking lot. He puts his arm around me and he says, listen, I just want you to know, I don't know what's going on, but I don't like what I see with your partner. I think there's some things that you need to pay attention to. And what do I say? Hey, Bob, I got this. Don't worry about it. Taylor, I have a shit. So I had nothing under control. And, um, you know, my whole world was was beginning to implode at that point but I didn't pay attention. Right. So, you know, I I say that we need to watch the things around us. We need to pay attention to what's happening in our life and and listen to the people around us because there's people around us that see things we don't see pay attention. So, wow. A lot of lessons in there. I think, especially the observation about women, I think being more in tune (laughs) with us, I was like totally astute. I think it's very accurate, accurate. Um, Right now we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. Have you ever wanted to invest in the private lending and debt side of real estate? You might find that going out and finding borrowers on your own is tough. When you find a borrower, you have the task of evaluating their plan all on your own. And the traditional way of lending private money highly concentrates your risk because you'll probably be funding the whole rehab loan on your own. 
That meant writing loan checks well into the hundreds of thousands of dollars, placing a lot of risk in individual borrowers and properties. Not to mention, there's a lot for you to know in terms of how to structure these loans so that you can help protect yourself and work with the borrower in your interests. Now, there's a new way to invest in the debt side of real estate that turns the private money lending space on its head. You can invest in a variety of debt instruments with this new platform with as little as $10 in each opportunity. You can diversify your investment across a wide variety of borrowers, geographies, and asset types. This new platform is called Ground Floor. They make it easy to invest in either your name or using your self-directed IRA. And if you don't already have a self-directed IRA, don't worry. They make it easy to get started and get one opened. Go to www.passivewealthstrategy.com slash ground floor to get started or click the link in the show notes. See the ground floor site for full terms and details of what they offer. Once again, that's www.passivewealthstrategy.com slash ground floor or click the link in the show notes. Back to the show. All right, Mike, I've got three questions I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? Yeah. Great. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education? The first investment I ever made was the first investment I ever bought. It was a four-unit multifamily building. I had just come from a three-day seminar and learned some techniques, and I used those techniques. I went and did a creative finance deal. Um, bought this building, gave the owner $1,000 down, asked him to hold the paper, be the bank on the rest of it for a five-year period. I rented it, leased it, fixed it. That was the first deal I ever did in my life, and it was the best deal I ever did. Nice. And the first one usually kicks it all off. We had the best investment. Now we go to the other side of that coin, the worst (laughs) investment. What is the worst investment you ever made? The worst investment I ever made was I put $25,000 into a clothing store that um, went defunct. So they were some friends of mine. They were going into the sports clothing business, uh, thought it'd be a great opportunity, invested some money, and they went upside down within 90 days of doing it. And it was a big loss. That was the worst investment. I'm a real estate guy. I love real estate. I know real estate. You know, I get hit up all the time for all crypto and Forex trading and all this stuff now. And I, you know, I'm a real estate guy. Leave me alone. So, oh, those Forex guys, man, that is total, total scam. I've been hit up by that. I don't believe any of it. Total scam. My favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing? Yeah. So I think I kind of said it a couple of times here, pay attention to the things going on around you. Make sure your blinders are loose enough that you can see your peripheral vision. Listen to the people around you and walk slowly. You know, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. We don't need to rush to the finish line. Nice. Well, Mike, I really appreciate you coming and joining and joining us and sharing your story. And, you know, I'm, 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 it, it sounds like you're, you're, working to do good out there and, and help other people uh, learn from the lessons that you've learned. I just want to, one last time, your thoughts about where we are right now, because I mean, I, I can't get past this, this echo of the market. Everybody, you know, the past couple of years thought they were a genius for inventing syndication and bang, <laughs> here you were back in the mid two thousands doing the, the, it's the same playbook, right? We hear, we talk to the vertical integration guys. We talk to the guys that bought 5,000 units in the last two years or whatever. I'm not throwing any, slinging any mud at them, but the market turned eventually. 
And that's the important thing. So what do you think about right now? And then we'll, we'll wrap it up. Yeah, that's really a great question, Taylor, you know, and I'm not a doomsday guy and I don't say don't do real estate and don't get involved right now. Just, um, you know, I'm an old carpenter. So measure twice, cut once, you know, um, kind of philosophy and attitude. Right. I, I just think that we need to, to just make sure your underwriting is correct. Make sure that you're conservative in your underwriting. Don't be projecting, you know, uh, price per unit or cap rate on an exit in seven years from now that you don't think we're going to hit. I think that the market's going to slow down. I see a lot of shades of 2006, 2007. Um, Think through your deal. Um, Don't just invest because somebody's promising you a 20% IRR. You're probably, they're probably not going to hit it. So be cautious. That's, you know, I mean, I don't, if, if you look at history, you know, there's a lot of the same things going on right now as was going on in, in 2006, 2007. So. Absolutely. Well, thank you once again for joining us today. If folks want to reach out, if they want to get in touch with you, if they want to learn, want to learn more about what you're up to or anything like that, where can they track you down? Yeah. So anywhere anybody hangs out on social media, I am. <laughs> so, you know, Instagram, LinkedIn, love those platforms, Twitter. Um, so anywhere. And you can direct message me. I'm an open book. I love to share my story and network with people. Uh, Mike at mycoreintentions.com. And if anybody wants a copy of my book, they can go to my website and download it. It's um, mycoreintentions.com forward slash exit plan. And, you know, grab yourself a copy. Uh, It's, you know, I've had a lot of people say it's a great read. So. Nice. Well, thank you once again for joining us today. To everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I appreciate that so much. Five stars, if you don't mind. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. And I'm always honest with with you guys. That gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street casino along with us. If you know anyone who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please share the show with them and bring them into into the tribe. Don't forget to subscribe. That way you'll catch us here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. I hope you have a great rest of your day and we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye. Thanks, Tim.